Blog Talk Radio. Checking in. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 to get on the line. We'd love to hear from you. Our chat room is open as well. And, of course, get us up on Facebook at uh, Pad Nation, Pad Nation to it, Twitter, and uh, Instagram, and, of course, on uh, LinkedIn as well. I want to bring in my guest. He is a uh, judge for the North Carolina Court of Appeals. Always good to have him on from his old days of the ACLU. Now, uh, uh, Your Honor in himself, he's uh, Christopher Brooke. And Your Honor, we appreciate you coming on. As always, Happy New Year to you, and I hope all is well with you. Uh, thank you so much. Happy New Year to you, too. Um, I, I hope your year is going as well as possible, and I hope uh, no big uh, deal on the, the feeling a little bit under the weather. 
Yeah, just a little bit of uh, allergies, I guess, is uh, kicking in a little bit, but we'll we'll get through it. Uh, Your Honor, the first thing, uh, my first question to you is when you, well, after sort of the elections, and I know you can't get into all the other the stuff, but I'm just going to present it. Uh, after the elections, and and it was deemed by, they weren't certified, but by all accounts, um, President now Biden won the election. Um, there are a lot of disturbing things that led up to January 6th and thereafter. What was your thoughts when you you heard sort of the the lies that were put out there, the narrative that was put out there that the the, um, the election was rigged, that um, the guy occupied the White House, White House before Mr. Biden, President Biden, um, pushed that um, narrative out there. Then we had January 6th happen, and we know what happened there. What was your thoughts leading up to that? And then this, these, these rioters, these thugs that go up there to not only to try to destroy but kill and undermine the Constitution. Well, you know, it's a little bit easier for me to talk now. Uh, uh, my term on the Court of Appeals wrapped up uh, at the end of 2020, so I'm back in private practice. So it's a little bit easier for me to talk about these sorts of matters than it was when I was on the bench. Um, you know. I think that what happened on January 6th was um, uh, in a lot of ways a very predictable um, uh, end product of of what we've been uh, dealing with for the past four years. You know, I thought that Senator Romney uh, in his speech from the floor of the Senate um, the evening of January 6th uh, really hit the nail on the head. Uh, at least when it came to, you know, what culminated on the 6th. And he said, listen, when people are lied to by people who are in power and encouraged to, um, you know, confront in a physical way, uh, they're, you know, people that they have been told are stealing an election, uh, then what happened on January 6th uh, is, you know, very, very predictable. And I think you could broaden that out uh, and say, you know, that obviously the the sort of undermining of our institutions, the undermining of election integrity, uh, the calling into question of the fairness of the election uh, very much escalated from uh, then-President Trump uh, subsequent to November 3rd, 2020. And uh, it's slowly becoming plain that um, – uh, President Biden had won a uh, clear um, electoral and popular vote victory. Um, you know, the the sort of attacking institutions and and, and calling into question the institutions uh, uh, increased from that point forward. But the president, the prior president, President Trump, had been making those sorts of claims in some form or another. Uh, at various levels, uh, with various levels of force for the past four years. So I think you could really expand Senator Romney's critique uh, from people who were lied about about this election result. But this has been a steady diet of sort of, in the words of Kellyanne Conway, you know, alternative facts that have been fed to um, sort 
certain members of the public in particular that have been amplified by certain outlets in the media. Uh, it's not surprising that um, those folks would um, call into question the election results and not surprising that they would take matters into their own hands in the way that they did on January 6th, it seems to me. But yeah, I, I, I get the, the hill certain folks and, and that uh, Chris wouldn't when you you look at it, but let, let's let's call it what it is. Um, I, people think I I go too far when I say that it's not just number forty five um, that destroyed and and tried to destroy even more this country over the last five years. And by the way, being from that area, uh, we knew about Trump forever and tried to warn people. You know, they thought he was cute and not cute in a uh, physical sense, but cute in terms of what he says and, and all these different things. And the media is old, whatever. And and his um, colleagues and, and other politicians, that's just Trump being Trump and all these different passes. They're enablers. And when you have enablers, um, those enablers should be just as or at least guilty for the person you're enabling. This man told people he only wanted Jews to count his money. Um, He didn't want blacks to work in his hotels or any of his things. Uh, His father had ties to the Klan, white supremacists. Um, You know, he he wanted the Central Park Five to to get killed, to be executed, even though the, the DNA showed they didn't do it. Central Park Five and Central Park, New York, if people don't know, look it up. So he said all these racial things all the time. Uh, African countries, the shithole countries, go back to your country, this and that. And people just allowed it. So wouldn't you say those in his camp, his administration, and and the Mitch McConnells and all these other people who now want to denounce him and maybe impeach him, we'll get to that, that they're just as culpable, just as guilty as this man and what he tried to do and what he's done to 70-plus million people who still think the election was rigged. Yeah, I mean, I think the answer to the question is it's not possible for Trump to ascend to the presidency, uh, let alone engage in this really systematic attack on American democracy without high-profile enablers uh, and without people who um, stood silent far too long, but also, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudged um, in regards to a lot of the things that he said. Um, You know, one of the comments that I think is sort of most instructive uh, from post-November 3rd, when, you know, by November 5th, November 6th, certainly by the weekend after the Tuesday election, it was plain that uh, Joe Biden was going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, But at that point, President Trump's um, attacks on the election, uh, attacks on uh, election administrators continued to escalate. And someone, you know, a blind Republican source um, uh, in Congress said, uh, you know, um, uh, it was speaking uh, anonymously, said, what's the harm in continuing to humor him? Uh, and let him say these things for a little bit longer. And I mean, <laughs> that question has been definitively answered now um, because the harm was 
uh, obviously the events of January 6th, but you're right to say, listen, January 6th is in a lot of ways um, the tip of the iceberg is just a symptom of the broader um, malady uh, that we have here, which is that Trump has called so much of the system into question, um, has a huge percentage of the 75, the, 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 the millions of people who voted for him, uh, continuing to call that result into question, but also continuing to, you know, call uh, just the idea of our democracy operating uh, as it has, you know, imperfect as it is, you know, has functioned, um, calling that into question. And you don't get to that point where you have that broad a swath of the population not only questioning election results, questioning the transfer of the peaceful transfer of power, but also questioning um, whether they are um, in fact represented uh, by gov the government or instead um, they're being essentially swindled uh, by the government. You don't get that just based on one actor, one malign influence. You have to have people like Senator McConnell um, uh, not standing up when uh, time and again uh, he acted in a fashion uh, contrary to people's trust and confidence in American democracy and did so without good cause. If you're just joining us, uh, we're talking with Christopher Brooke, uh, formerly of the American Civil Liberties Union, the ACLU in North Carolina, also former judge at uh, the North Carolina Court of Appeals here on the a Bachelor News Radio show on the Bachelor News Radio Network, WCOM, and Chapel Hill and Carborough. Uh Chris, I've known you for a long time, and, and I mentioned the ACLU, the work that the, I mean, just the tires, tirelessly hard work that you and the ACLU people do for civil rights for all people. But certainly uh, it tends to be um, uh, rights for that have been violated that, are people of, of black and brown uh, color. And you look at this mob of people who went to the Capitol to do what they wanted to do, and you had the Proud Boys and the, the Three Percenters and all these other white supremacist groups and stuff going there to take their country back. The very constitution that they say they believe in and they want to destroy and start a new government because it's theirs. It's theirs. Yeah. They own it. Yeah. And and yeah. and black and brown people like me, we just need to shut up and be satisfied that we're in this country. We allow you here. As a as a attorney and what you've done and as a Caucasian and what you see uh, how do you dissect that both from the legal standpoint and the ramifications? Because a lot of them just kind of walked away and they live amongst us. You know, they're mowing their lawn as we speak somewhere, you know, scot-free. Some some arrests have gone on, but they kind of walked away. How do, how, how do legally they, they kind of track them down and, and hold them um, as maybe hate crimes or if it's I don't know what you would charge them with. And then as a person, a, a citizen, a white citizen that, that, that feels that all people should be equal, um, how, do you, how does that, that make you feel? Well, you know, I think that obviously there have been – January 6th and what happened in the Capitol is you know, a huge digital crime scene 
in a lot of ways. Um, uh, and I, what I understand is there's a lot of you know, combing through the, the footage uh, from the Capitol insurrection and the Capitol incursion, you know, trying to, to use that digital information to be able to track people down who were, um, you know, uh, destroying property, uh, threatening people, um, you know, breaking into portions of Congress where the public is uh, generally not provided without, uh, not allowed without invitation. Obviously, those efforts are ongoing with people being continuing to be arrested at this point. I assume that will continue for quite some time. You know, there's also an investigation uh, ongoing within Congress. I understand about. You know, we talked a little bit about um, people uh, like uh, Senator McConnell turning a blind eye, but we'd also talk about Senator Hawley, Senator Cruz also sort of inciting people. Um, but there have been even more serious sort of uh, echoes from the, the early portions of the January 6th investigation about whether Congress people sort of actively helped um, folks who uh, were part of the Capitol incursion uh, do reconnaissance, essentially, uh, on uh, where uh, Congress people were going to be, on where they might want to go uh, during that incursion. And that's, you know, obviously – those are serious allegations. We need to get to the bottom of them. It, you know, it's it's impossible for me as, as a white person um, to um, understand the events of the last four years um, without outside the context of race. Uh, President Trump's uh, presidency, in a lot of ways, uh, struck me as a, as a reaction to us having eight years of our first uh, uh, black uh, uh, president. Um, there are um, uh, he, he was obviously able to um, sort of paint a zero you know some game where the more what would Trump sort of part of his thesis is if there's a more inclusive America that where everyone does have equal opportunity um, and people of color who have historically been excluded. Uh, and continue to be excluded from opportunities. Women uh, who have historically and continue to be uh, excluded from opportunities. Members of the LGBTQ community who have historically and continue to be excluded from opportunities. Uh, Trump peddled the notion that if those folks get opportunities, then it's a zero-sum game, that they're losers in that, and that the losers uh, in particular are the white working class, uh, that this is, you know, uh, inclusion's not uh, sort of a rising tide lifts all boats, but instead, if people of color uh, get opportunities, they will be taking those opportunities away from you, the white working class. Uh, and that's something that he um, talked about um, uh, pretty directly, I think, over the course of running for president and over the course of being president. You know, I would also say that, you know, there's a sense uh, related to that sort of zero-sum game idea, a sense of entitlement um, that um, obviously exists, which is uh, in our society, which is that white people, a large swath of white people, uh, have historically called the shots in our nation and feel entitled to continue to exclusively uh, call the shots in our nation, You know, have political power, have economic power, uh, have uh, social power. Um, and uh, I think that you, <laughs> January 6th pr is a pretty 
um, telling example of that phenomenon. Because, uh, L.A., you and I both know that if those protesters engaging in that conduct had been heavily or even a large percentage people of color, um, that, you know, there would not have been such uh, – it's, it's quite likely there wouldn't have been as muted a law enforcement response. There probably would not have been as muted law enforcement preparation for uh, the events of January 6th, which sort of happened in plain sight. But furthermore, you know, black people, I think, understand that, you know, would not feel entitled – to sort of storm the Capitol in that fashion, or would at the very least have very much assimilated the idea that there would be consequences from law enforcement. Uh, uh, there'd be consequences in the form of uh, being charged with a crime for <laughs> engaging in that sort of uh, behavior. And what I, I think when you look at that imagery, you see a lot of white people who feel that the law is not going to be applied to them or is unlikely to be applied to them, um, and uh, a, you know a sense of entitlement to really defile these sacred uh, places in our democracy. You know, Chris, a couple of uh, questions. The first is when you we talked about um, Trump inciting. The crowd and leading up to it, remember he was tweeting when he had access to tweet, was saying, you know, January 6th, I'm paraphrasing, of course, uh, you know, January 6th is going to be exciting or whatever he was, and he was letting them know to be there. Then they get there, and he's like, you got to be tough, you got to fight hard, and we're going down. He wasn't, of course, we're going down to the Capitol, and we're going to support some and not support others. Again, using the, the, the paraphrasing of words. So, just from the legal standpoint, did he – we'll get to the impeachment part, but did he uh, overstep himself? I mean, again, was that one of those situations where you know, you're yelling uh, in a, a crowded room somewhere, the fact that um, his words were insightful and led to the violence and the destruction and the arrest and everything now? Uh, of of these people in the Capitol. So the question being, does he face sort of legal um, jeopardy for yeah, you know the should, incitement should that he, he engaged we'll in? To, yeah, should yeah, should he? Yeah. And we'll get to maybe the impeachment part after. Yeah, I mean, well, first, you know, I, I really think that I think it's pretty clear that he could face, and I would, you know, who knows how this is all going to shake out. Um, but I would I would be somewhat surprised if he didn't face some civil liability here, um, by which I mean, you know, for instance, um, and this is, you know, I don't know that this is, uh, um, I don't know this is going to happen, but it's just easy to imagine it happening. Obviously, there was a law enforcement Capitol Police officer um, who was killed um, by the crowd um, with a fire extinguisher, is my understanding, and there's some pretty horrifying imagery uh, of that. Um, You know, I think that arguably President Trump could face some civil liability for contributing to um, the wrongful death of that Capitol um, police officer. You know, uh, whether the line between, you know, First Amendment protected speech 
and speech that uh, incites violence uh, constitutes a true threat and sort of in, um, uh, in almost certainly invites calamity is always a hard line to draw. But, you know, it's, it's not to me unfathomable um, that um, President Trump could also face criminal liability in this instance because, you know, he spoke words that I think can be fairly characterized as inciting. Um, obviously, uh, people who stormed the Capitol uh, have, have said with some frequency since January 6th, you know, we did this because, uh, you know, the president wanted us to do this, and they did it immediately after the president launched uh, that call. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that President Trump could face civil and or uh, criminal liability uh, for contributing to so, the events of and, um, January and, and, Chris, we're, we're in these uncharted territory where, you know, the House yet again, for the second time, has impeached this man. Now, he's not the president, so there's no no example to go by when a president that leaves office is impeached and facing, you know, the kind of prosecution, certainly the, the persecution that can go into this. So um, how much do you think that based on where, you know, the country is politically, especially Republicans who want to they're afraid of the 70-plus million people, but they want to distance themselves from Trump, that they'll actually go through the Senate. I'm talking about the Republicans, of course, because the House already uh, – they didn't bring over the uh, the articles, yes, but they already impeached him and sent it over. The Senate, Republicans, to, to actually convict this man. And what do you say to people, and even yourself, if you believe, people that say – What's the deal? I mean, what's the use now? He's out of office. You know, maybe New York will yeah. bring up some criminal charges, Florida, whatever. What's the even why, – why even go through this uh, and be sort of a, a distraction, some people say, from what Mr. Biden is trying to get uh, – President Biden is trying to get done now? Well, you know, I, I think um, from a very practical standpoint, it would not be, be an empty exercise. Because you could, um, you know, you would not be removing him from office in this instance, uh, but you would be prohibiting him, barring him from seeking public office again. And so, you know, I think there's a real practical um, rationale behind proceeding with not an impeachment, impeachment and removal, but an impeachment and barring of him from serving. Uh, uh, in public office again, and you know, I think the argument would be relatively straightforward, which would be that uh, he, by inciting this uh, insurrection, uh, has disqual proven himself um, very plainly to be unfit for office, and therefore he should be disqualified from public office going forward. So, to me, there's a very practical reason that you would want to do it. Uh, you know, I think. Um, you know, there are other reasons as well that that um, uh, that sound more broadly than with President Trump. Um, I think the importance of establishing that there are lines beyond which 
you most certainly cannot transgress without consequences is an exceptionally important uh, thing to establish. I, you know, and if inciting an insurrection is not an impeachable offense, there's a question about what is, in fact, an, an impeachable offense that warrants removal, that warrants barring. There, there is a question to me about what is, in fact, an impeachable and removable uh, offense, an impeachable and barrable uh, offense. And I think you, know, you can make a pretty strong argument that um, the Senate's acquittal of President Trump uh, related to the Ukraine instance um, really uh, signaled to him that there were not going to be consequences for his bad action. Uh, and, you know, he continued to push the envelope. Uh, and one of the things that has been, you know, most revelatory about the last four years has been how much of our system is predicated, predicated upon um, political actors acting in good faith and adhering to the norms that we have. And if somebody is shameless enough to not be governed by those norms, we are potentially in a very, very tight spot. So I think you can make an argument that you know, this is not only an important thing to do to ensure uh, that President Trump no longer can hold public office, but to start reestablishing and reinforcing some of those norms that have, uh, in many ways, served us well as a country over the course of our existence. And I, I have to say this too, Chris, that you understand this working um, and, and having a heart that you have. You know, um, people like myself, black and brown people, feel very offended if he walks as some of these other people. Because as you said earlier, had it been, and we saw that in the summer of June of, of last year when the Black Lives Matter movement went there, they were armed and ready for them. They were ready to bash some heads and arrest some people and God knows whatever, fatalities. Um, and, and if he can walk and go down to Florida and live his life in the, you know, and go off all day and these people who trash the Constitution and trash and try to kill Nancy Pelosi and hang the vice president of the time in the United States can walk, then again, it, all that what President Biden is trying to do is for not it, it just it it makes us feel a certain kind of way and and that's that's where we're at but you know we'll, we'll see chris as always man i appreciate you uh you and your family be well and i'll talk to you very soon sir thank you so much good talking to you good talking to you stay well take care you too christopher brook uh, formerly of the aclu and uh, a judge at uh, the north carolina court of appeals on the Bastard News Radio Show, the Bastard News Radio Network, and WCOM, get to our next guest. Sure.
Thank you for joining us. Uh, it's L.A. Bachelor. It's the, the show. Uh, we try to bring different topics and different subjects, thought provocative things to uh, to uh, the masters. We thank you wherever you're listening um, right now uh, to the broadcast. 646-929-0130, the number to get in touch with us. Press 1 and get on the line. Don't forget, if you miss any part of the broadcast, you can go to our website, uh, the Bachelor News RadioNetwork.com, the Bachelor News Radio Network.com. I'm LA Bachelor. Uh, I want to bring in my guest. He is the senior pastor of Maximizing Life Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church in Greensboro. And of course, their Life Cafe broadcast airs on our website. Uh, you can hear the live version uh, at 646929 and of course, the rebroadcast. At our website, on their page, click on any of their show, any of their um, their uh, broadcasts, and you can hear it at uh, the Bachelor News Radio Network dot com. But he is the pastor. He's Pastor Omar Rojas, and Pastor, um, Happy New Year to you again. Hope all is well with you and your congregation, your family, and thank you for joining us, sir. 
Absolutely. It's always a pleasure to be on with you and uh, hope that all is well on your end as well. Yes, sir. Uh, so I always, you know, I go to you when the people come to me and, and say, hey, here's a topic. And I, I was thinking about it and I wanted to bring this to you and, and because you always have a p- profound answer uh, and it's very practical at times as well. Uh, but what does it mean to be a living sacrifice? If you are a Christian, you believe um, in, in you know, Christ, then that, the question is certainly something that some people, you know, uh, scholars and, and theologians uh, uh, look at, I would guess. And, I, you know, I, I was doing the research. Again, I have to be prepared for you because you – you know, you you are the man, right? But Romans twelve, right? Said Paul said, "I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service." And quote. He goes on to say other things, but I, I, it seems like his admonition to the believers in Rome were just. Sacrifice themselves to God not as a sacrifice at you know on the altar as a, in the Mosaic laws, uh, Pastor, but right. uh, like animals and things, but as a living sacrifice. So, and even the dictionary defines sacrifice as anything consecrated and offered to God. So, as believers, how do we consecrate and offer ourselves to God as living sacrifices and not be in the Mosaic uh, sort of realm? Right. Um, <clears throat> not really. Uh, I guess it's kind of loaded, but, um, you know, it's, it's literally, <laughs> it's, it's literally, um, you know, you know, yielding ourselves, you know, so that, um, you know, it's kind of like, um, uh, I believe it was in Luke uh, chapter 22, uh, where, you know, uh, Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and uh, he was praying because he was, you know, just a you know few short days or a couple of days outside of um uh the cross and you know as like most of us you know he uh you know didn't want to go through with something he knew wasn't going to end well for him and you know he was having those challenges and so he found himself in in the garden of gethsemane praying and you know he's 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 asking you know the father you know you know if it's possible, remove this cup from me. Um, and you know, he, he goes on to say, "Well, nevertheless, you know, not my will, but but your will be done." Um, and 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 what I'm gathering from that scripture and kind of you know bring it to where we are um, was that he was willing to yield his will or what he wanted to do to God's will. And, and and that's that sacrifice, you know, that, you know, that we, that as, as Christians, as believers, that we, we have to have, we have to, you know, come to that place in our walk with God or in our, uh, let me rephrase that, uh, in our relationship with God, where we're willing to say, you know what, I want to do it this way, but God, I know you know better than me. <laughs> you're, you're God. Um, so, you know, whatever it is that you have for me, I'm willing to do that. You know, we, you know, I guess deferring, right? So we do this in relationships, um, you know, you know, I would say, you know, within the marriage relationship or, you know, any relationship that uh, we deem important, you know, we're, we're willing to defer 
um, uh, to that person, you know, so that they're happy and, you know, and, and we're happy as well. Um, so that's a lot of what, you know, you know, to me, uh, sacrificing is just literally yielding, you know, myself to, to God and to his plan to, you know, and to his will for my life. You know, the, uh, pastor, thank God that God is not, uh, uh, we're not taking certain things, um, literally though, right? Like, (laughs) you know, slave, slaves obey their, their, uh, masters with fear and trembling. I mean, um, we know that, um, I'll call it white Christianity or, or Christ, uh, white nationally, yeah. nationalism in terms yeah. of Christianity. They use that, right, to yeah. to keep slaves yeah. in line. So that that's a literal sense that they took out of context, if you will. Um, but what about the practical side? I mean, if, if the living sacrifice also means the physical, I mean, it, it, John, I believe, I'm not mistaken, John, too, talks about the, you know, the the lust of the flesh and food and drink and excessive right. and things of that nature. So, you know, is, is the body that and, and Jesus talk about body of the, is your temple. And so should we, from a physical standpoint, understand that the living sacrifice also means taking care of our bodies from that standpoint to, to, to connect from the physical to the, the spiritual view. You, you understand what I mean? Right. I, I would say absolutely. Yes. Um, you know, it, you know, God is so totally uh, concerned with with every part of us. You know, um, you know, we're, we're 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 tripartite, so we have three parts. You know, we have you know flesh, we we um, possess a soul, and 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 we are a spirit. You know, and and God is uber or super concerned with 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 all three parts. Um, so you know, when we're you know you know talking about sacrificing, um, you know. It's 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 all three parts, you know. Um, uh, I, I think it's kind of because a lot of us, you know, as Christians as believers, you know, really kind of get caught up with 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 the physical side because we we actually do think of the Mosaic Law and and you know, well, this means I got to do this and you know, well, no, you know, uh, the the blood that Jesus shed on on the cross was 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 enough. Um, uh, a blood, you know, to 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 cover um, cover a multitude of sins. I know, you know I don't want to throw too many scriptures in there. Um, you know, no, it's it, fine. It was enough. It was enough for all of that. Um, but you know, again, you know, the the sacrifice comes where you know us doing what we want to do, you know, with our lives. If if he's our father and he's our God and he's this and he's that, well, you know, again, you know, I, I got to slide me out of the way. Um, and that sounds crazy, uh, but I got to kind of slide, you know, my wants, my, my desires, um, you know, to the side to, you know, complete the will of God for my life. Because, you know, me personally, as a believer, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe because, you know, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, we hear it so often. Um, oh. You know that talks about you know God knows the plans that He has for us to do is good and not evil and to expect it in and so we you know we say that we say that we say that but I wholeheartedly believe that somewhere in you know wrapped in God's plans are 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 my are are, are my my desires my visions my goals for my life somewhere in there because He knows everything so 
you know, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, that he's got it all wrapped up into his plan. And so the more I submit, you know, myself to his plan, it's, 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 it's as if, the, you know, I'm closer to the things that I want for my life as I accomplish the things that he uh, has planned for my life. Mm. You know, we're, we're talking, if you're just joining us, we're uh, talking with Pastor Omar Rojas, Senior Pastor of Maximizing Life Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church of Greensboro, North Carolina. Of course, the, the Life Cafe broadcast that airs here on the Bachelor News Radio Network and the Bachelor News uh, Radio Network of WCOM and Chapel Hill and, and Carborough. If, Pastor, if uh, believers... Uh, not be conformed to the world and they uh the scripture says being transferred by the transformed by the renewing of our minds um right. and we're not being transformed if if we're not living in the 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 full sacrifices the living sacrifices that we need to be to be to 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 be one in the holy spirit right but we're still doing the things in the physical then what does that mean as you know in terms of being a living sacrifice and and how do you how do you confront that within yourself um to be living according to the sacrifice that God wants us to be within ourselves right um so i'm i'm, I'm you know that's that's the second verse to to uh in romans twelve I'm actually looking right. At right now at the version um and, and I'll just read it really quickly. It says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what is what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. Um, so a lot of times, you know, now, I, I can recall, you know, like when I first, uh, quote, unquote, got saved, um, <laughs> I, um, you know, in the beginning, I'm I'm gun I'm a young man, uh, you know, on fire and so on and so forth. And, and so I had these friends that, you know, wasn't in the same place that I was. And, um, you know, so I would go to church. I would go to Bible study. I would find myself at some revival or something like that. Uh, you know, in the beginning, because I was just so gun ho about about God, you know, I had never felt like that before, and so I, I just kind of sought that feeling, and so I, you know, like I said, found myself in different um, uh, services and things like that, uh, trying to um, you know soak up all I could, and so you know, but I still had friends that were, um, you know, that I had people that I was still friends with, and and um, and went to school with, and. And, you know, they were on somewhere, you know, you sound like my mom or you sound like my dad or, you know, you sound like I wouldn't do that. And I wouldn't do. And so and and that was a challenge for me because, you know, I wanted God, but I wanted to keep my friends all at the same time. And so, you know, as the scriptures say, do not be conformed to this world uh, because there's certain things that people would do, uh, you know, as non non-believers. Um, that that I ought not do as a believer, and you know um, uh, I can't think of the scripture at this particular moment, um, but it, it, it talks about um, 
you know, it talks about the people that that we're around that they'll they'll corrupt good behavior. Um, and I, I wish I could remember where it is at this particular moment, but I can't. Um, and so, you know, the longer I'm around people, it's kind of like the um, the law of dominant influence, uh, which essentially says, you know, um, somebody will pull me down before I pull them up. So I got to be mindful of the people that I'm around because um, if, if I stick around long enough, I'll pull in the, and operate under the same values and customs uh, that, that, that people that don't believe in God. And so if I do that, then it's not going to be about what God wants for my life. It's going to be about what I want for my life. And um, that, 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 that rarely ends, ends well for us. You know, Pastor, uh, it seems as though a couple of things I'm looking at, I'm getting emails from um, some folks, and, and everybody is going to Romans 12, you know, be ceased, yep. therefore, that, that scripture there. Um, but also I had some people that, that talked about um, the living sacrifice, and, and um, one quote came in and said, A body you have prepared for me, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. And as in Hebrews Ten five seven. Jesus uh, speaking uh, uh, there, and and uh, we also have some. Uh, I have one from First Corinthians thirteen three and five that that uh, says, "I give everything I own to the poor, but I have not love. Uh, it profits me nothing. Love does not seek its own. If I give away everything I own, but seek to receive it again in the form of honor and good report, then it's not a work done with a sacrifice body." I have sought my own, and nothing love does not seek its own. These are uh, emails and scriptures is coming in. So it seems as right. though, Pastor, that people are again the interpretation. It seems, and that maybe that's why you know when studies show yourself approved, is that right. some people looking at the physical, some people looking at the sacrifice of love or, or giving yourself up in a, in a, a, a spiritual sense. Uh, so it's a right. physical and a spiritual going there. Is there a difference? It, 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 it should it all work as Romans eight would talk about the good, right? So it, it all should be interconnected, correct? Absolutely, it, it, it all works together. And you know, um, you know, there 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 are going to be you know believers that that um, have a I don't want to say per se a uh, a different viewpoint um but but convictions are you know they're, they're different you know so so yeah we we yield to god we submit to god and, and you know his will his way um you know so on and so forth that you know that that's the sacrifice that we present but but you know as believers as as you know people we have you know different convictions because you know we have uh, a different kind of relationship with god you know, so where there's one person who may feel really cool and okay with doing one thing and another person not feel so, you know, um, um, cool with that, you know, for lack of a better term. Right. And, and it's okay because it's, it's, a, um, it's a reflection of, of, of relationship, not to say that one has a, a deeper, rela- you know, one person has a more deeper relationship with God because they do a certain thing. Um, you know, um, we, we, we submit or sacrifice uh, in, in different ways, and it's, it's okay. You know, we can go mm. back to, 
you know, in, in the Gospels where, you know, Jesus was in, 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 in the temple during offering time, and, and we had people that were, you know, giving big offerings. I, I, I think offering is, is almost a cuss word in the church today. Uh, <laughs> um <laughs> but you know he's 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 in he, he's watching as people are giving and people are giving you know big stuff they're not giving little things but there was this one woman that gave her two mics and he honored her gift it wasn't as big but it was it what it, it wasn't any less of a sacrifice for her to her because it meant something to her <laughs> Um, Lisa had asked, and it, real quick, uh, Pastor, uh, I mean to cut you off. I do apologize. Lisa uh, and Rock and, and Rock Hill had asked, is there a difference between um, the uh, understanding? I guess she means belief of sacrifice in the Old Testament, which uh, they did animals and things of that nature, and right. sacrifice of. of you know, of yourself and your body and spirit um, as it relates to tithes in the Old Testament. It's a really good question. Tithes in the Old Testament uh, where they gave the 10 percent, I mean, it, it, the first 10, right, as opposed to the New Testament where people believe, some people believe, some churches believe, that if you're not yeah. tithing money, you're tithing your time. You're giving up right. that time. So is there is there a parallel there? Is there differences there at all? I'm, I guess I'm. I won't say misunderstanding. Um, so, I, I guess the que- the the question is. They were they the she, way that she asked if 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 uh, sacrifice in the old and the New Testament, how you know it's it's looked at. A, the fair. Old Testament is sacrifice Ooh, an animal, right. whatever the case may be, right, right, and right. in the New Testament is is in the New Church, if you will, it's it's sacrificing your life is sacrifice you you carry your cross that kind of thing right. uh, and she makes the comparison to tithing in the old testament okay. to tithing and your time and money in the new testament i got you i got you right so in in the old testament so so i would yeah let me just let me just say it like this <laughs> so in the old testament the 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 tithe it was a mandate like you had to do this it becomes an opportunity, right? It's an opportunity to sow. Um, I know, like, even at our, at, you know, at, at Max Life, you know, during offering time, I would say it's our opportunity, um, you know, it's our opportunity to, to grow. It's our opportunity for process. It's our opportunity. Um, and so, again, it goes back to that, 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 that conviction, that commitment, um, that that level of relationship, you know, that 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 I sow from that, and yes, that you know, for some, you know, excuse me, the 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 ten percent is it's a sacrifice because we have these bills. I've had times where, um, and, and I'm I'm talking about me, okay, as a pastor. I've had times where I, I've had somebody say. Um, you know, I don't, I don't have anything left, but I want to sow this, and and they sow a seed, and and I will take that seed, turn around, and give it right back to them. 
so that they that, so that they fulfilled their their I hate to say it like this so that they fulfilled their end of the bargain if you will by sowing their seeds mm. but I'm turning around and giving That's all right. So you 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 basically it, it's they give it from the heart. They're not just you know I got a thousand dollars. Let me give a dollar as opposed to I got a dollar. Let me give that dollar. You, they're giving from the heart. So you turn around and give it back to them. Yes, sir. Done it on many occasions. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, Pastor, before you go, I do want to touch base quickly. And, and get your thoughts. It's been a lot of conversation. We've seen uh, Reverend uh, Warnlock in Georgia, um, the first black. Of course, he's a reverend. Yeah. Uh, he's the reverend there at um, the Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s old, uh, you know, Ebenezer Baptist Church. He leads that mm-hmm. um, church there. Um, and it's been a lot of uh, criticism of him. Um from let's say Christian nationalism, I'm gonna be nice and say that. Um, <laughs> where do you stand? Where do you stand with um, liberal um, theology and that teaching in the church? The fact that yes, we we are all right. We are all under uh, the body, right? But you have to. You also, you know, the, the the scripture. If I'm not mistaken, you know, you take care of the. Uh, the widows, the homeless, the poor, but you speak on and fight for justice. You see, um, you know, justice not being uh, equal, things are not being equal, and you see that, that, that things are wrong, and you speak up and you fight for justice. And justice we've seen in sort of, quote-unquote, the black church, going back to the time we came from Middle Passage, where we were speaking up about voting rights and civil rights and everything else. Where do you stand on that? Is that so, is this something wrong with speaking about that, but speaking it in love? No, you know, <laughs> uh, in love. Yeah, yeah. I was just talking to somebody uh, uh, earlier this week, um, and you know, um, tack is everything. <laughs> tack is everything. <laughs> uh, you know, people are, you know. Uh, a lot of people are open for open to rather um you know constructive criticism it's just how we you know put it off that makes it sound you know possibly judgmental um and and when we come off that way people don't want to hear you <laughs> oh no you you right. know you're trying to you you're trying to judge me um but but it, it's all you're right. It, you said you hit the nail on the head. Essentially, you know, it's, it's well, all I just in love. It's mean, all, I just mean too, Pastor. I, I just mean I understand what you're saying, but I, I, I'm, I'm more speaking of you saw what happened on January 6th, where predominantly yeah. uh, Caucasians went to take back their country, um, and obviously <laughs> this reverend that just won the Senate got so much so much hate and racial stuff as a reverend and he's preaching the wrong thing and they tied him to reverend reverend jeremiah Wright and all these different things all this hate and the guy preaches love and and on sundays all the time like you so 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 i guess my question to you is is as black and brown people marginalized people people are not in that position at the table if you preach that, but you preach it in a way of justice and equality, 
Is there anything wrong with that? No, absolutely not. Um, no, I mean, you, 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 so you have to know you, you know who you're talking to and 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 present it in that way. Um, you know, I I do my best. Obviously, I'm not a politician. Um, no. <laughs> Um, but, you know, even in my, you know, in my workplace, you know, I I still have a a mandate as a believer to share Christ. Um, but I got to be mindful in my workplace, how I share it or how I share him, should I say. Um, so a lot of times, like you heard me say just a while ago, let me not put so many scriptures in there. Um, because I don't know my audience. And so everybody might not want to hear the Bible. Right, so I'll I'll take what I know of it, and and I will put it, if you will, in principle form, so that somebody who doesn't want to hear John three sixteen, for somebody who doesn't want to hear Romans twelve and one, you know, for somebody who doesn't want to hear Hebrews eleven and one, I, I I'll take it and, and you know, and and put it in principle form so that they can understand it, digest it, and 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 to a certain degree not even know that they're getting a biblical principle, but they are still getting it. Mm. And, and, I mean, you know, and that's like that. it's kind of like yeah. that mama bird, you know. What what does she do? She 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 she. Yeah, I, I'm not I'm not I, I don't know anything about animals. I promise you. Um, but what will she do? She'll 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 go find something for her 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 her. her, her yeah, I don't know words. I promise you. The, uh, for, for her baby, she'll go get food in her mouth. And, 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 and chew it up and make it you know, make it so that that baby can eat it. Until finally one day that baby's ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I and I don't see anything wrong with it. I gotta run I got my, my guest on the line, but before you go, just um tell people uh about your your church and your ministry and um how they can follow, reach out even if they're in the Greensboro area, North Carolina they can come and visit and enjoy surely um so we are uh, as been stated before we're uh, maximizing life family worship center um i'm pastor omar rojas i pastor with my my wife uh pastor brandy rojas uh, again maximizing life family worship center um also known as uh the max life church for short um we are in in and i always say this the great metropolis of greensboro north carolina uh, we're located <laughs> O2 East Market Street again in Greensboro, um, uh, not too far from North Carolina A&T. If you're familiar with Greensboro at all, uh, we're not too far from there. We have uh, services. We have Bible studies on Wednesdays at seven o'clock p.m. Uh, we also have um, uh, Sunday services. We have uh, just like the name of our slot on, on this radio station, uh, the Life Cafe. That's our version of, of Bible study that we have, and we come and we have coffee and a conversation. Uh, that's at 8:30. Then we uh, then we uh, begin our services uh, right at nine o'clock on Sunday morning. Uh, we would love uh, for you all to to visit with us. Uh, uh, please understand and know that the governor has set some orders in place, and so we're trying we're doing our very best uh, to to abide by those rules and regulations and, and that order, should I say, uh, for that matter. So I would love if if you're on Facebook, if you'll find us again, maximizing life. Family Worship Center, home of the Max Life Church. That's the name of that's our Facebook page. And if you'll like it, and you can you can 
uh, you can see previous uh, Bible studies and 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 uh, uh, services, and of course catch the services that are coming up on Sunday and on Wednesdays. So Wednesdays at seven, uh, Sundays at nine o'clock. Well, Pastor, listen, uh, big ups to your wife, uh, Brandy, and um, uh, happy birthday, belated birthday, Janelle Strickland, and, and um, certainly appreciate you. Listen, God bless you. Be careful, and thanks for the time, and, and thanks for uh, really bringing down some stuff. We appreciate you, sir. Yes, sir, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Always good to have on uh, uh, Pastor Omar Rojas, uh, Pastor Maximizing Life. Family Worship Center, Greensboro, North Carolina. Get to our next guest patiently waiting on the line. It is the Bassett News Radio Show on the Bassett News Radio Network and WCOM in Carborough and Chapel Hill. Talk show host, Connection Satellite Radio, best-selling author. We'll get to that. Uh, and a political scientist, I'm afraid. He is Dr. J. Leon. Happy New Year to you, sir. Appreciate your patience on the line. And uh, thank you for joining us, sir. My brother, it's an honor as always. I didn't know I was outstanding. I thought I was just always standing outside. Oh anyway. well, hey, I know I'm standing outside. You outstanding. I'm standing. <laughs> oh, What's going God. on, man? Listen, Doc, I, I had to have you on. The the listen from November fourth or whatever that weekend after the elections, we already knew it. Uh, President Biden was going to win, and 
uh, even months before the dude before him that occupied the White House was already talking that yin yang about the, it's elected, it, it's it's rigged, and all these different things. Um, I know you weren't surprised about January six, but in the aftermath of January six, um, how surprised are you there in terms of these people? Right, they live amongst us. Down the street somewhere, moaning low on lawn, I said, somewhere right now. They left. Proud boys, it don't matter. Any boys, whatever. They went in there, went there with their chest stuck out because it's their constitution, it's their country. You and I that look like us, the, who we are, we need to just be happy to have some crumbs to be in the country, yet they get to leave. Some arrests have been made. But what what say you about how it's been handled thus far? Well, I was surprised as I watched the events, the the insurrection and the failed coup d'etat on the 6th of January. I, I never thought that I would see a group of people breach that building. That That's one of, if not the most secure buildings in the world. You're right. And I, I used to work times. in the building. Right. I used yep. to work in the building. And I never thought that I would ever see that, which lets me know that it was an inside job. Uh, so the aftermath, I think, I think it's too early for us to make an assessment of the aftermath because there are those such as uh, President Biden who are now trying to use that event as an excuse for passing this domestic terrorism bill, which I think is totally unnecessary. And I think it's no more than an opportunist attempt, similar to uh, the uh, what transpired after 9-11, to be able to employ uh, additional sentencing on individuals that they deem to be um, against the interests that that they represent. So people like you, people like me, uh, anybody that they don't deem to be toting the, the party line could then be subjected to additional uh Sentences and, and the example I'll use is uh, hate crime legislation. So if you go to a synagogue or you go to a mosque or you go to a Catholic church and you spray paint graffiti on the door, that is a misdemeanor. That's basic vandalism, destruction of property, those are misdemeanors. If you go to one of those places of worship and you spray a swastika on the door, that is destruction of property, that is vandalism, that is a misdemeanor. But they now can add a hate crime charge to that now takes it into the realm of felonies. 
So should you spray swastikas anywhere? Of course not. But what they're trying to do with this domestic terrorism bill is to ratchet up the penalties for really what I, in most instances, would be uh, First Amendment protected action if they deem to be, if they deem your action to be domestic terror. It's very, very dangerous. Very dangerous. Because well, there's me, nothing that, there's, well, one more point. There's nothing that yeah. was done on January 6th that wasn't already illegal. In fact, if the FBI and the other uh, intelligence entities in the country had actually paid attention to the so-called intelligence that they had been tracking, that never would have happened. It, it, let, let me say this. Um, the, the system, as you already know, Doc Leon, better than I, it is rigged um, against us anyway. It's almost like when Bill mm-hmm. Clinton with the, the three strikes rule, you knew the brothers was going to jail for weed right. and everything else. We knew that was going to happen right. when he put that in place. Um, but what's the solution? Because we have been domestically terrorized for our existence in this country. Um, you can call it whatever you want. So if if they're not, if if this is a agenda that is going to hurt us, people of color in the long run anyway, is what you're alluding to. Then what's the solution to to send these these damn white boys that think that they can just terrorize people and go home and watch a movie, eat some popcorn? Like what are we gonna do? What what's the solution to deal with them? Because they're not going anywhere. Well. In terms of dealing with their actions, I think there are 120 people that have now been charged with various uh, crimes and, and, and felonies for their action at the Capitol. So there are already laws on the books to deal with what they did. We don't need any additional category or classification of law to deal with the actions that the individuals engaged in because those actions are already illegal. So just implement the law as prescribed by the law. But they've been tracking these people for years. What happened on the 6th of January, it was a surprise to me. It might have been a surprise to you. But it damn sure wasn't a surprise to the FBI. It wasn't a surprise to the uh, NSA. It wasn't a surprise to any of the intelligence services that have been tracking the communications of these people for years. This, this, this whole thing, this whole plan was on the Internet. It was on the dark web. They were talking about it very clearly. And and I don't say that as opinion. I've been reading stories and and quotes from FBI reports that made it very clear what was going to happen. And you have a president, and you have his attorney, and you have members of Congress that were inciting this insurrection. So to your question, 
this is how we deal with these people. Ted Cruz needs to be charged with incitement of insurrection. And so do the other members of Congress that have and some continue to perpetuate and perpetrate this fraud on the American people that the election was fixed. They need uh, what's the I, I'm I'm I've lost track of some of all these people's names, but the the members of Congress that you were Hall, party Hall to the suit, mm-hmm. that's Hall. another one. That's, mm-hmm. He needs to be he needs to be charged with incitement of insurrection, and because a Capitol Hill police officer was murdered. The, the Capitol became a crime scene, and so some of these folks, like Donald Trump, may wind up needing to be charged as accessories to murder before the fact. The felony murder rule applies here. They incited did- people to commit a felony, and as a result of the felony being committed, someone was murdered. You then are an accessory to murder. It maybe it it may not be a a big deal to you, Doc. Um, but I I did ask the question to a previous previous guest about the optics, because about if, the optics, it, the optics, mm-hmm. the optics. Okay. Yep. Because if okay. it, if if had that been, and you've already heard it, like had that been a oh. bunch of us going there to do that, you know, we'd be under the jail. And probably shot, shot and killed. Remember last June, Black Lives Matter went there to, um, uh, at the Lincoln Memorial, and, and we know what what happened there. So, I, I think there's a sense of, of frustration and maybe the understand the the misunderstanding that what President Biden is trying to do um, is to appease those who feel that double standard that feel like if it was us that went up there and took our country back right and you just you just live in it then it would be a whole total mess it worse than what it could it was actually well there is a double standard and this is america there's always been a double or even in some instances triple standard your point about Black Lives Matter and, and what happened during the summer, absolutely right. Uh, and you've seen the photographs of how the Capitol was protected by uh, armed National Guards troops because of what they anticipated happening as a result of the Black Lives Matter protests. Here, here's what people need to understand. The difference between justice and retribution. When the Black Lives Matter protesters convened on the mall or came to Washington during the summer, what were they seeking? They were seeking justice. When Dr. King convened the March on Washington, It was the March on Washington for what? Jobs and justice. That was the title of the march. Kennedy, President Kennedy, to cancel the march because the government was so afraid that all of these black people coming to D.C. that they would what? 
do what those white folks did on the 6th of January. The Army, the Army and the National Guard were on standby during the March on Washington for jobs and justice. We convene, we protest, we march for justice. What were those white insurrectionists on January 6th on the mall for? Retribution. Angry white people pissed off because they had been convinced that black people stole their election. That's the code language about the election being fixed and the election being rigged. That's right. Black people put Joe Biden in the White House. Nancy Pelosi, we protected your job. Black people gave the Democratic Party control of the Senate, those two seats in Georgia that did that for the Democratic Party. And that's what has really aggravated a lot of these oath keepers and peacekeepers and all these other so-called domestic terrorist organizations. They are not militias. They are domestic terrorist organizations. They came to the Capitol seeking retribution. Because they exist in a punitive culture. We exist in a justice-seeking, forgiving, love. See, they, they have this, I'm speaking very generally here, and I know this does not apply to everyone, but to make the point. <laughs> they live in a uh, environment and in a mindset where they sit back and say, if these Negroes ever decided to do to us what we did to them, thank it's you, over. thank you, it's over. Yep. Well, we we sure you know we can we cannot afford to give them the opportunity. They are they live in fear of retribution from us. But that's not what we do. That's not our nature. It never has been. We convene in search of justice. But they are so afraid, thing like them, that they can't figure that any other type of action could take place. Yeah. And, and we're Doc, not I said a, that about. I said it about apartheid. That small percentage of all the black folks, they was like, man, if they ever take over, oh, man, we in trouble. We're done. Yeah. We're done. But that's not how we, that's not how we do. That's not how we are. That's never been our culture. So they keep viewing our action through their warped lens of punitive culture and retribution. So Donald Trump stood there on the ellipse on the 6th of January. He was basically smoking at the gas station. That's what he was doing. 
and and Ruli Fuliani and the rest of them. <laughs> Don Jr. All of them. They were smoking at the We're gas coming station. to get you. We're coming well, to get you. Kick ass and take names. And so what did them white folks do? That's what they did. And and see, there's also a sense of white privilege that was on display. Because I don't know if you saw the footage, this young white girl walking down, I think that was probably Constitution Avenue after the insurrection. And she was crying. And this reporter walked up to her and said, why are you crying? And she said, they sprayed me with tear gas. And the reporter said, well, why did they spray you with tear gas? And she started, she said, she she, she was incensed. She said, because we stormed the Capitol. It's a revolution. I said, you stupid woman. There wasn't no revolution. You got played. You a sucker. Sucker. And you were incensed that you got tear gassed for an insur- for for trying to take over the government. You're lucky you didn't get shot. Now, that takes us to the optics question. As I was watching this unfold on my television, I was I was on I was taping a show and I said to my co-host Garland Nixon, I said, "Man, they do not want the optics of white folks being carried out of this capital with bullet holes in their head. They will do everything in their power to avoid that. They do not want that. This country that hails itself as the bastion of democracy, even though we engage in coup d'etats all over the world, we're, we're trying, still trying to do it in Venezuela. Donald Trump, color, I mean, uh, Places of color. Uh, Joe yeah. Biden, Joe Biden had the head of the the leader of the coup in Venezuela at his inaugural. Carlos Vecchio, the head of the coup, the the U.S. representative, he's an Exxon attorney, turned U.S. basically bagman in Venezuela, trying to overthrow Nicolas Maduro, who, by the way, democratically elected president in what is what has been determined one of the freest and fairest elections ever. Carlos Vecchio, U.S. bagman, coup leader in Venezuela, was at Joe Biden's inaugural. So there's no way in the world that the United States government implementing coups, funding coups, fomenting coups all over the world, Bolivia, Venezuela, Iran, Nicaragua, Guatemala, Hawaii. There's no way the the, sand, the Sandwich Islands before it was well that would that really wasn't a coup that was just a military takeover by the United States. But anyway, there's no way in the world that uh, they were going to allow CNN to broadcast. Dead white folks being dragged out of the Capitol for being shot in the head for trying to take over the government. They were running through that camp looking for who? 
looking for Pence, Mike Pence. They wanted to lynch Mike Pence. Talk about I and, and you Can know you, um, and, and, and to real quick too, Doc. Uh, just as a a, a, a side note, uh, the brother who deflected them to another mm-hmm. spot to, I guess, quote unquote, mm-hmm. save Nancy Pelosi and everybody else. If, even the, the cowardice you saw there. So he's got this little baton or whatever. He's got this little thing and no gun, and it's fifty of them right there. He's like, he's like, stand back. So they stand back. He moves, they move. He runs up, they run up. He stops, he stops. I mean, it's fifty of them and one of him. And even in then, they they they're cowards. You know, and, and, and they make this big deal out of not I, I appreciate the brother doing what he's doing, but guess what? We've been doing that all the time. Like we've been heroic like all the time. But like, we've been doing this forever. And now it's just this big to do about it. Um in, in the midst of these cowards that go up there that you don't want to take their country back. Now I've talked to a couple of folks at different levels of law enforcement. I kept asking and still ask, when the first cat came through the door, when the first three came through the door, why didn't homeboy draw his weapon and pump a couple rounds into them crackers? That's I what would've. I want to know. I, w- I well, would have. So, <laughs> I've been so saying that. I would <laughs> what, what I've been told is that that actually would have made matters worse because when he ran out of ammo, uh, there were more th- there were more of them than there were of him, and there were there were more of them than he had rounds. My thought was no, you pump off three rounds, you drop three or four of them coming through the door, and that would have been like shooting fish in a barrel. The ones behind him would have run. Exactly. Oh, oh, and by the way, don't again the most secure building, damn near in the world. They prepare for this. You, if, if you think that you're going to storm the Capitol, you need an army with air cover. I mean, that's how yep. well protected this building is. You that's need right. an army with air cover. If you think you're going to roll up in there and wreak havoc while the Senate is in session. That's and Doc, I went. I I took my my kids went through it. We we the last time I went took the kids and everything. I mean, it's like Fort Knox. Like the kids are getting patted down, like they terrorists, man. You can't yeah, jaywalk. Well, I, I know. You, I, I know your kids. I don't. I don't. I don't. Fuck you know, you can't <laughs> jaywalk in that area and, and get get you know patted down and tackled and everything. So, to your point. Definitely to your point. There, that was that was so. So where was his backup? Why was he running up and his backup should have been coming down? Had, again, had they been had they been people of color, there would have been bodies in that foyer. There, there would have been there would have been bodies all over that camp. But because these were white people, it was all good. In fact, I will say this. I don't have any evidence to support this point. This is my opinion. But I don't think I'm far off. 
I think a deal was cut before they got there. And here's why I say that. When you look at all these other types of protests that have taken place across this country up until the 6th of January, they're always armed to the teeth. They are displaying. The protesters are displaying their firepower. They, they make a big deal about we're strapped and we're showing you. They weren't strapped publicly. They weren't displaying. They weren't open carrying on the 6th. And I believe that the reason they weren't open carrying on the 6th is because they knew if you don't show your guns, we'll let you in. Where were the hundreds of troops that usually stand on the steps locked and loaded? They weren't there. They were told to stand down. Yep. And uh, real quick to to your point, Doctor De Leon, um, when you look at and you you brought up uh, that clown Ted Cruz. Uh, if it, you know everybody wants to, we'll talk about the impeachment real quick. But um, everybody uh-huh. wants to talk about Trump. But at the end of the day. You know these people who allow this, and you—it was an inside job. I—I'm I, totally mm-hmm. with you on that. Some they—they mm-hmm. they let them people. All of the uh, uh, recognizance and all that was going on even before that. So when you look at it, uh, there are people in in the House, in the Congress, in the Senate that should be arrested, but Nancy mm-hmm. Pelosi and Chuck Schumer will stand down. And their people will stand down, and these people will be. I, it's it's amazing. It's it's disrespectful for them to even be walking the halls of the very place where that place was like total chaos, and they get to the, the, to live their lives and not have be held accountable. That's the biggest problem. And again, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer will stand down and allow them to be there. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and Mitch McConnell and uh, Chuck Schumer and, and uh, Lindsey Graham, they all want to come to the floor of the Senate and wring their hands and cry these crocodile tears about, oh, it was a coup, it was an insurrection, and they attacked the Capitol. And, I, and they vote for do, to do that stuff in other countries all the time. So what's, you know... I'm not advocating that people do that. I think what they did was horrific. It was deplorable. It should they should all be arrested, and the law should be applied as as to the fullest extent. But what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If you can, Nancy Pelosi, if you can verbally back a coup to oust Nicolas Maduro in Venezuela, then why are you upset with a coup in? Washington D.C. Why? It's not as though somebody stormed her house in San Francisco and tried to steal her thousands of dollars of ice cream out of her. Uh, what kind of refrigerator is that that she has? Um, I forgot the name of the refrigerator. Anyway, um, you know, it's not a, it's not like they stormed her office and stole her ice cream for, from her grandkids. What? what you know, Nancy, explain to me the problem here. Right. 
Same thing with Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren came out and backed the coup in Bolivia. So Elizabeth Warren, explain to me how you can back a coup, in a U.S.-backed coup in Bolivia, but now all of a sudden your shorts are in a bunch because it was a, an attempted coup in the state capitol. I, yeah. Help me out. I, I, don't, I don't understand it. We understand it, and and, and the, the the fact is that, you know, again, um, people need to do the research and understand. It's not something that we're making up. Something you're making up. It's it's there if people, you know, really reach out and understand what's going on. Um, yeah. Doc, Doc, final question for you. Um, a lot of people say, you know what? Why impeach this guy now? He's gone. Whatever. Oh. You know all that, all the talking points that are out there about that. Um, talk about that, and that's you know, a stupid question. It, it, it really is. Um, it's a stupid but question. Talk about that, and, and the fact that you know, um, if the Senate is going to convict him, we know it's a stupid question. But is the Senate going to convict this guy? I don't know. I don't know. But so it's very simple. If a drunk driver runs your mother over in a crosswalk. Are you going to charge them with drunk driving? If the drunk driver, if your if your mother happens to pass away from being hit in a crosswalk with the light by a drunk driver, aren't you going to charge that person with vehicular manslaughter, if not first-degree murder, depending on the severity of their impairment? We are a nation of laws. If democracy is supposed to work, no, we are a nation of laws, not of men. No one is above the law. No one. Donald Trump incited an insurrection against the United States of America, and he was the president of the United States at the time. That's not a question, boys and girls. That's not a question. That's a that's for you to think otherwise is idiotic. How are you ever going to regain control of your democracy if you allow your president to incite insurrection? And if you don't think he incited insurrection, look up the definition of insurrection. If you don't think that this was a coup d'etat, look up the definition of coup d'etat. Mm. It's not the, this math is not, this is third grade math, boys and girls. One plus one always equals two. This isn't algebra. This isn't calculus. This isn't research methodology. This is this is basic math, boys and girls. Yeah, and if it, it, if it, you are ever going to gain, con- what do we do? What do we do? You hold this fool accountable. And Ted Cruz and the rest of them, they all need to go to jail. 
and you know, if the Republicans had the, the in, in charge, everybody would be going to jail. Everybody. But no, that no, no. goes back to... No, no, no. No, no, I, no. No, no, no. no. I mean, if no, the, no, it's if not, the shoe was on the other foot, I do. I believe Irv, the no. shoe was on the other foot Irv, in body. terms of a Democrat. Well, right, Irv, right. Everybody right. <laughs> would be going. Everybody would be And the going. thing is, too, Doc, the, the fact is that they would have made so much a big deal on their moral compass and standing on their moral stance about it. Everybody, like you said, would have been going. <laughs> To jail, okay. but the, the fact is that Democrats play chess and Republicans play checkers. I mean, uh, if, Barack Obama, play, if Barack right. Obama had stood at the ellipse and told those folks, we're going to kick ass and take names, we're going to go in there and handle this business, and those Black Lives Matter protesters had done the same thing, Barack Obama would be in jail right now. And they'd be dead, too. So And they'd be uh, dead. Yeah. Lottie Dottie and everybody. Everybody. And before you go, uh, let everybody know <laughs> how they can reach out to you and get your book. And, and WilmerLeon.com. 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 And let me tell you, I got a hell of a show coming up on Saturday. So I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to tell you. I got a hell of a right. show coming up on Surdy. Surdy. And on Surdy. Stay off the couch. Aaron. Look, stay off the couch. You know the plastic. Uh, the plastic on the couch. You got to sit on the floor. <laughs> My man. Doctor, All right, bro. I'm you, out. Man. You got Thanks, it. Man. Love you too, man. Uh, Dr. Wilmer J. Leon, of course, a syndicated talk show host, best-selling author, political scientist. On the Bastard News Radio Show, be patiently waiting on the line to get to my next guest and my friend uh, on the Bastard News Radio Show, on the Bastard News Radio Network, WCOM, Chapel Hill, and Carver. If you're an African-American man, you need to know about oral cancer. Oral cancer is more common in African-American men than in any other group in the U.S. If you have a sore or lump in your mouth that doesn't go away after two weeks, see a doctor or a dentist. Most often, these symptoms don't mean cancer, but it's important to get them checked. If you do have oral cancer, it can be treated more successfully if it's caught early. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health. Better and, and all is well, and thank you for 
Are you patient on the line, sir? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. Very good. Very, 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 very good. That's good news. Um, and that, that's good news. So I, I wanted to touch um, quickly on um, some of the signings uh, in, in baseball. And when you look at uh, the um, situation, um, well, let me backtrack and, and, and talk about Trevor Bauer. Um Still out there. Um, are, are you surprised he's still there? And you surprised that, uh, that they're maybe down to maybe two or three teams that are looking at him at this point? No, no, I'm not. I'm not surprised. It's you know, it's it's taken as long as it has. I think everybody has tried. You know, even though we've been getting sporadic signings and everything else, but I'm not surprised because. It's um you knew nobody you knew that folks weren't going to get you know huge 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 you know contracts this year, and teams were going to you know there's there's still a lot of uncertainty about the start of twenty twenty one uh season as as a whole, but um I guess now the dodgers are are being called their front runner. The only thing I'm surprised is that it took them this long to get into it because that's uh, his old stomping grounds. He's a UCLA guy, but um, I'm, I'm not surprised. I'm not really surprised. The only the only uh, signing that I was actually surprised by, but it turned, but it, but it's probably going to be a game changer is uh, Springer going to Toronto. That's well, a, I was going to say. Yeah. That's a game changer because there's and as you, far as I'm and concerned, you and D, you we root for a kid, you know, he's a Connecticut kid. I mean, you root for a guy like that. Uh, you know, hometown guy. Um and, and I mean, I I it, that's a big deal. A, a right fielder with that power and stuff. I think it's a big deal for Toronto. I think it shapes up the Yankees, Red Sox, everybody. It shape it it tears up the the uh, ALEs in my opinion. They're pitching. They're 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 now. If they were now, I don't know if they're in the mix or not. But if they added a Bauer, I'd say they'd win. I I call them the division winners right off the top of my uh, because wow. they to me with Springer, they may have the best balanced lineup in that division right now. I'm talking about everyday lineup. When you throw in Vladdy Jr., uh, Biggio, um, all of those guys, I, I think they have right now on paper the best balanced lineup. They're a pitching staff away from, I think, I think if they got themselves another starter or if they were able to get Bauer or whatever, I'd make them the prohibitive favorites because – uh, I, I I think there's going to be a letdown with the Rays. They basically, you know, they they basically pulled another. They they pulled a, a Florida Marlins in a sense. Pulled a um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, the Yankees did what they had to do to um, to re up uh, the Mayhew, but they did not. Uh, they they didn't do anything to 
ensure yeah, the pitching they, staff. They didn't do it. They, they were so focused on or non-focused, then focused and non-focused on uh, uh, Mayhew that they didn't get what they need to get it done. What you said is starting pitching. They don't have – they didn't add to, to, to that. And, and, T, I would even say, like, uh, I mean, just on the back end, too. I mean, they just didn't do enough. They have – maybe, you know, things will change. But, you know, Mayhew was the focus, and they went through so much negotiation that they haven't focused on what they really need is starting pitching. And 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 see, also, they're in that bind, too, because they, you know, let's face it, since the old man passed away, they're trying to be more, quote-unquote, fiscal, fiscally responsible. Um, basically, with them, the, the 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 biggest surprise to me is that they didn't even try to negotiate with Tanaka, and I and I, and I get it because he's a little older now, and this was the first you know the la, you know he's always gotten over because he's been a great postseason pitcher, but his last two postseasons he's gotten lit up, and I I think that's one of the reasons why they haven't gone after him, but they may have to be sort of shamed into going back after him now because. Um, the 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 um the Blue Jays um the Blue Jays I think just um put themselves into the mix and remember they made the playoffs last year with that uh, roster. Now yeah, added- let me ask you this though, T though with with Tanaka the 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 fact is that uh, I mean if you go back to him where do you put him I I don't. Well, you know, I'm I'm a little biased. I, I'm not a fan of his. Um, so you bring him in back as a starter, like a, a fifth starter. Yeah, a middle, I mean, would you bring him well, back? I don't I don't okay. see it. Okay, here's the deal: who you replace him with? I understand that. I do. That's what I'm saying. That's, what I'm saying. That's, that's why what I'm saying I wouldn't bring him back. I'm saying I wouldn't. Well, bring no, him back. Well, like, well, we'll see. That's all well and good, but who's his replacement then? That's a, that, that, see, that's my point. That's my point. Because, see, Severino's a question mark because he's been injured off and on. Uh, I like I like little Pedro, but, you know, right. he, he's, he's, he's he still, still got time. He yep. still has to learn. And I guess the only other person would be Chase Adams, and it seems like they've already sort of given up on Chase Adams uh, almost a little too prematurely. See, the thing with them is the bullpen is going to be okay. They've got to get stuff. What's going, to, what's going to keep them in the race right now, if they come back with what they have right now, it'll be enough to probably get into the playoffs again, but how far are they going to go? See, the Yankees are sort of like the old uh, Indy Colts under Peyton Manning all those years. Regular season almost doesn't mean anything anymore. They've, they haven't they have right. nothing to show for it the playoff-wise. And right. it's 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 not you know, it's not a, it's almost a World Series or bust thing for them now because you know they've won the division, they've had the hundred wins, they've been the perennial playoffs. Dare I say it? They made they're they're sort of where the Dodgers are were uh, a couple of years ago. 
all but these... the, I think the difference is though it's they're the Yankees. Like they, they're no, they get they they get enough passes to get uh, they, they 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 get enough passes to you and I sneaking out of class. Like they're gonna get they're Yankees. Like they're, they're, if fans but, are gonna but, be there, they're gonna but, get they're, they're the Yankees. But but you know and I don't what? say that I don't say that yeah. in a good way. I'm saying in a bad but no, but no, way. But see, but see, but see, that you know, I, I think even your diehards are saying that doesn't cut it because it's what's it going to be? Um, what was it 2009? Right? Since the last since the last championship, right. so they've gone. So it's 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 to the for 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 the Yankees this is a drought anything more than 5 to 10 years in their minds eyes it's cause for you know it it it's it, 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 you know it, it, it's cause for national security and that, and and that it, was a great year with Obama coming in and Yankees I think still is one that the the nine whatever but, the, but my point is is that the Dodgers have a vision and as good as they've been regular season and division wise they don't have the numbers in terms of championships in terms of the Yankees so but, uh, the 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 wall uh the 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 um the the short porch of winning is is in dire straits there as opposed to the Yankees with the Red Sox and this and that and I'm not making an excuse I'm I'm just saying that I I don't agree with it I'm just saying the way the Yankees are probably looking at us it, like okay we're we're still going to be elite top five in the American League. We may not get there, but we're top five, and so we're going to be in the mix or whatever. At, at the same time, these the um, the Suns are like, and we can cut that at the same time. So we, we make it whatever, as we can cut back, make some money, and all as well. That's what they're looking at. Yeah, but well, I, I you know I, I think. That and again, that's the, a lot of that has to do with the fact that the old man's not there, and the old that's man right. definitely had a lot of the old man definitely had his faults. The thing, the thing. Look, if they go and you know, they go another year without a World Series, people are gonna, and 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 I, and I I very rarely say this because you know I don't give I don't give two blanks about them, but because of the other team on the other side of the river now. Now, the pressure's on them now. Right. And time, you know, T, time, that, that, I mean, that, the, while, the, for the it, first time in a long time, the Yankees can't be like, well, we're the Yankees or whatever. Now, the other team, look, even even with the silliness the other day. Right, and uh, I, I'm going to get to that. So hold hold that. I'm going to get to that. Because, but but I, I, I'm, I'm saying that. Let me just finish this my point. For the first time in quite a while, the you know the onus isn't you know the own you know they're 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 not they're not the only team in that I mean they haven't been in a while but I'm just saying with the possible new direction with the new directions that the Mets are headed and see that's one thing that's never changed they still the Mets don't live vicariously through the Yankees but. The Yankees have always lived vicariously through the the, the six good, bad, or indifference of the. Well, Mets. that's the the that's the bully that wants to step on the thing's throat. My my point was, um, is that with with the Yankees, is that at the end of the day, 
Um, I I need my Yankees to be good, and it's a lot of Yankees fans. If you if you're you're a Giant fan or whatever, and of course I'm a Steelers fan, our season's over. I need my Yankees to win. So I'm I'm making your point. I get your point. Like they, but I'm saying is as far as the Suns. They're not looking at it like that. They're looking at the bottom line, making some money. We're in the mix anyway, in the playoffs, whatever. They're not looking at daddy. Daddy's like, I'm going to, we need to win. And and that's their problem that they don't seem to get. Like, we need them to win. As Yankee fans, we need them to win. I don't want to make the playoffs. I want to win. I want a World Series title. Again, it's been too long. And I think it's a lot of us like that. Like you sure. to to your point, but they're not thinking that. But with with regards to the Mets, again, you're right. Like the Yankees want to step on the throat of the Mets, and the Mets are doing all these great things, and they're getting better and better. Now we know Porter's gone, and the allegations of everything. It, it do you think the Mets went out of their way to make sure clean house in that regard with the sexual allegations and everything near the GM? Um, because of the Yankees or because of the climate. Because the climate the is like, you can't be that dude. Way. You can't Put be it this him. Way. Put it this way. Yankees had nothing to do with this. This is, this is okay. the Yankees had absolutely nothing to do with this. This is, this is a whole Met thing. And see, to their credit, they were consistent because when the, when the Beltran thing came, they got him out of there. Now, it's even more, I, I think even more so, because Cohen put himself out there front and center, you know he yeah, he said he said zero tolerance, zero if, tolerance. If he, is, it ain't gonna happen. If this is Wilpon, he is alibi iking his way during this whole thing. Um, right. It also speaks that you know it speaks terribly of the other of the other teams because because obviously someone knew about this. I don't you know. To me, the whole fake outrage is, is, is bothers me more than anything else because someone knew about this. This guy has been a high-profile guy for quite a while. He's had high-profile jobs. Uh, there's rumors that, uh, that the mouse had been sitting on this story for the last two to three years, which is, which, 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 which is a whole other conversation in and of itself. But right. um, he had to go. He had to go, and, and and you know every time they you know it's it's just their you know whatever that you know they take five hundred they take ten steps forward and then something like this takes them five hundred steps back, um, you know you can't really bl- I mean look, to a certain extent you can't blame the new the new folks so to speak because they're neophytes in this, but. It does not bode well that they didn't do their homework. Yeah, and I got to bring in Orlando Hughes, of course, from KRSP Radio in Philly, our good friend. And uh, Orlando, just with this story in itself, it's really funny because the dude allegedly was sending explicit photos, not of him, but some jock, some, 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 some other jocks or some other pictures, let's just say. With his, his, so I, I, I guess he wasn't packing or something. I don't know what the thing was, but 
it's, it's really stupid, number one, to do that. And number two, in this climate with, with what uh, T said, you're not going to get away with that. And, you know, even if the it, it, someone said, which I thought was uh, really stupid, it, you know, they had a vendetta and wanted to set him up. But, dude, even if that was the case, which I know that's not the case, you can't be sending private park pictures to women in this climate. It's not going to happen. And as Tony said, you got to own it. Like, no, we're not going to do this. Sandy Olson is going to back it. You know, the GM said. So it, it doesn't make any sense for this guy to do what he did um, and think he can get away with it. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Good evening to you and T both. Um, he was a white man, right? There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah. Well, okay. there you go. That that's okay. everything. Okay, I got you. Now, now, <laughs> I mean this with all sincerity in my heart. But who are we, three black men, uh, to tell this uh, this colonizer? That he can't do something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. You're right. Yep. So, and 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 think uh, about it, Orlando. Is it any different than them storming the Capitol in January 6th, saying that this is our country, and walking home and mowing a lawn later in the evening? I mean, is, is well, there no. a difference? Was, really? well, 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 well. The last time I checked, some guys that was mowing their lawn still had their clo- still had their clothes on. But that's a that's a small that's a small right. Look. Oh, yeah. right. Small, right. Small and market. see, LA, you didn't see that was a revolution that was beginning. Sure. Sure. That was a revolution beginning. So, you know, there there's always three three sides to the story: the winner, the loser, and then the real truth. So, what this guy, it, it, it's no different than Brett Favre, than Marv Albert, who's, who, by the way, is still broadcasting NBA still games. Broadcasting games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. Uh, uh, and and he, he had talent, but nature has caught up to him because he's slipping as a broadcaster. But back to this situation with the medics. All right, Steve Cohen's trying to save political face, and was his zero tolerance uh, that he's put out there? He had no choice but to do it. Now, see, I think you kind of alluded to this, but he set a precedence that mm, you better be careful because somebody else could get caught in a mousetrap that's more valuable than this guy is. So wait, him? Orlando, but, but wait, Orlando and T, didn't we just see, and maybe it, 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 I guess this guy's on a, a higher level, we saw the Patriots guy went to down to Florida with some prostitutes. He ain't been convicted. He ain't been mm-hmm. convicted. Wait a minute. and all that. He ain't been convicted. Listen, He's been all, walking all the charges were thrown away for that man. Exactly. How, how, exactly. Now, now you're talking about a billionaire. They they don't get caught. They pay people to get to take the time for them. Come on, yeah, LA, no. you can't you can't <laughs> talk about Mr. No, Krause. no, 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 no. My no. no, 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 no. You're not listening. My point is, if Steve Cohen 
can show face on this with 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 this uh, with Jared Porter, and uh-huh. and and you know he's he's like there's no is zero tolerance. What is the difference between that and one of his boys, his own boys, who got caught doing the same thing? The the point is my point is is that they're all gonna be clean and and have clean hands, whether it be one of their underlings. Or whether it be them is my point. At the end of the mm. day, they're gonna walk free. They still gonna make the Mets gonna make money, Patriots oh. gonna make money, and all is well in the world. I'll even I'll even add to this. Within two years, Jared Jared will uh will have Jared. a job back in the league baseball. Yep. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. He's gonna do. He's gonna do his mea culpa, mea culpa. He's gonna show his remorse and all this other stuff, and he'll be back. He'll be back. He'll be right back where he was. Well, LA in in the situation in Florida, I ask you find that cop who decided to lock up the mighty craft. Uh, is is he still a, a police officer with the Jupiter, Florida Police Department? I'd be I'd be surprised if he was. Right. Yeah. See, mm. the only time the Jupiter Police Department makes public arrests, and there's only been one, and they all live down there, that was one Mr. Uh, Mr. Per per Haitian suasion whatever, um, you know the guy that that uh uh. uh Married the kid from overseas, Mr. Tiger Woods. He was the only one that was mugshot. We, and, we never saw Kraft with mugshots, but oh, Tiger and, was. And the thing, it, right, and the thing is, what I'm saying is, if Orlando Hughes, KRSB, was in that table with them billionaires, or T-Mac and BASN News, or, or me, and we there, and something happened like that, they'd be protesting our shit. Just no different than them people that went to the Capitol that said they taking back their country, and you need to just be happy and privileged and feel like you're you 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 should be um uh uh happy to be in this uh, black people be happy you're in this country that we allow you to be in. It's just no different than Bob Kraft or Steve Cohen uh being able to to sweep their stuff on the rug or whatever the case may be and there's no protest. There's no we need to get them out of the league. Let that be us in MLB or NBA or NFL, then it'd be something totally different is my point. You know, whether it be oh, a underling yeah. or the owner, it's gonna be a difference. As long as they're white and we black, it's always gonna be a difference. Well if if we were sitting at the table we would then be the 2021 version of Bumpy Johnson sitting at the table in the there 60s. You go. Because mm-hmm. with, with targets Looking on our take back. your ass so down. That's it, right. Yep. We, we, that's, that's a foolishness. And, and uh, we, we have never, individuals have, but we, the collective, have never been able to do business and thrive on the same level as they have. And there was a period in time for which we were okay with that because we just did our own. But, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, listen, 
history, the earth keeps spinning, the universe keeps moving, and, and history keeps repeating itself. So, but you know, I, as, I, as, I have to ask. I have to ask this question because it, it came up during uh, uh, our little, not our, but uh, society's little kumbaya Dr. King day, as, as we do all the time. Oh, I'll, I have a dream and everything. Um, but as we have, uh, we're in a uh, uh, Bachelor News Plus a show, that the, to, the question to the both of you is that is or was the um, integration or the lack of segregation or, or uh, integration coming from segregation led to our demise? Is that the, the thing? Maybe it might be a little prehistoric and people don't want to think about it like that. But if we have never integrated, and Tony is the historian on this phone, when it comes to um, the Negro Leagues, if we have never integrated into their society, where will we be if we've never done that? And I've had questions. People have become older people, and people just ask me that. And I ask you to, to you two, T, first, is that if we have never integrated into baseball and everything else, where would we be at this point? Unfortunately, we probably would be sort of still where we're at now. Maybe we'd be in a maybe in certain in certain in certain. It's a it's a broad question only because and, and I'm not trying to avoid the answer. Or the, it's a hard. Because my one sister to asked me. a question today, so good. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I'll I'll say I'll say this with you from a sports perspective. Um, I think we would probably be better off. Societal, I don't know. I hate to, and I hate to say that I, I really don't know only because I would like to think that we would be in a better position in a much better position because we would have a hell of a lot more say so on our on our lives economically um, spiritually and and, 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 and all that. Um, so there is a sports that you think would be further advanced because they allowed us more into that society rather no, than regular no, society? No, 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 because, okay. no, because see, how many black owners did we have pre-integration? How many black owners have we had since then? And see, at the end of the day, that's the thing. See, and again, I'm, try, I'm not trying to cop out here on this. There were certain there were certain games in integration, but big picture wise, it probably did hurt us the most. But I go back, you know. I'm, I, you know, I don't know if we would be better off without integration. Mm. I just, you know. I'm not sure. I'm I'm not smart enough to 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 answer that. I don't, you know. And, and, that's and, a you fair. Know, that's a fair response, though. I mean, that's only, but fair. only, but only, only because see, when you look at see, when you look at total integration, when you're looking at it on the economical level, when you're looking at it on a professional level, when you're looking at it 
in all of the different entities. I'll 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 say this much. Maybe Ebony and maybe Ebony would still be around. Maybe a, a, a and maybe a lot of our important black institutions, which we sorely miss, would still be around. Cause um. Because I think, especially now, those entities are missed because our voice, our voices, and our uh, actions are taken for granted even more so. And what was one of what was always one of the great, what was always one of the great things about our entities growing up was that we knew that we were. Uh, and we we knew that we were segregated, and for the most part, we were okay with that because you look at how uh, the the insurrection was 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 covered, which is always funny to me. You right. know, the fake outrage, right? The fake outrage uh, more than anything else. You know, the the and the, the post and the post too, Tony. That now all is well. Because Biden's oh, well, in place, and no disrespect to him, but, but see, all is well see, now. Yeah. All is well. But see, but, see, but see, that would be there whether there was, you know what? That was going to be there whether there was a, um inauguration or not. I think it's just, co- you know, to 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 a certain extent, it's somewhat coincident. Un, it's somewhat coincidental that that the that the. Um, that, that the um, the inauguration came up literally two weeks afterwards, and maybe I and maybe I'm being but and see the other thing also is the cause and effect. The fact that right. the inauguration was coming might have possibly led to the insurrection as it was. But see, remember this isn't the first one. Everybody all all of a sudden people forgot Charlottesville. All of a sudden people forgot all the other ones that have been happening since in, over the last four years. But see again right. the very you know when you realize when 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 you realize that that the co-conspirators that that the co-conspirators in the Trump whatever are are within the media as well you can't right. be you can't be surprised see that's the thing I hate the fake and, outrage and the and the fake I didn't see this coming <laughs> well you know it's it's like it's like right. I don't know if you if you ever caught that Saturday Night Live skit. The week after Trump won, with uh, Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, it's I hilarious. See, yeah. Well, if you get, you see all yeah. the white folks. You know, you see all you the white folks. You need to Google folks. that. Well, it, it, because they go on and on like, you know, this is terrible. Nothing's ever happened to this to, to us like this. And 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 of course, you know, Chappelle and Chris Rock says, "Oh, really?" <laughs> Right, it, it's that right. welcome to the party moment, Orlando. To 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 Tony's point, um, these um, rioters, these mobsters, these these uh, uh, this mob went up and took back their country. This is our constitution. You don't own it. Mm-hmm. You you're just in this country. We're allowing you to be here. And I think right. one of the things that I've been hearing, right, is that. Uh, again, the question about, um, you know, it, it, if we have been better off. Tony makes a great point about how, you know, uh, it, it might be 
a, a, a slightly different in in a societal standpoint in, in terms of politically, right? But um, where do you stand in all that? And and the fact that you know they they've tried, they've tried, <laughs> they really have tried to push the HBCU. We know Howard with the ex. Uh, with the vice president and everything, and pushing the pushing the whole agenda in there. But what what say you with all of that in terms of uh, the, the the fact that you know uh, are we better off with um, segregation or integra- in integration, which to me led to infiltration. You know, our leaders have been getting killed because they've been infiltrated by people who look like us. So that's another oh, part yeah. of it too. Oh, the, yeah, but the the ultimate answer would we be better? No, we wouldn't be better. Um, because you have to consider when that happened, all the murders of 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 King, of of X, of Sam Cooke, of Fred Hampton, right? That was that was a page taken out of how to tame your slaves on your plantation. That uh-huh. scared us. That scared us. So we're not made like those people that we read about, that we talk about. We're not made of the same thing. Our kids aren't made of the same thing that we were. Just the way we grew up. So there's a plan that's been executed, and I'm not giving credit, but it's been executed well. Had we remained segregated, we would have a little bit more stories to tell. We'd have more of our information passed around uh, uh passed around, you know, us as a people, but ultimately they would have come in and they would have taken, as they always take, uh, what we had. Because on top of the the institutions and HBCUs and, and the inventions, they've taken everything that we've created. Sometimes not even hard. And they've taken it not not by force. Uh-huh. So I find it difficult. Uh, now the emotional part of me say, hell, we would have been better off if we were not segregated. But the older Orlando will tell you, eh, no, nah, no. Nah. You got to look at this from a, 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 a four dimension layer. Now we they would have they would have taken us for, for broke. They would have. Um, baseball, they would have. Um, and just, Tony, from your perspective, the stories that I heard when I was younger and my grandfather was around, you know, all of the white baseball players knew that they they couldn't compete exactly. with the Negro League players. Exactly. They knew exactly. that. Mm-hmm. But they knew they knew that, but they would never say that, not on a public mm-hmm. level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, from a business standpoint, 
I mean, not a historical movie, and I'm probably will, will be in hell for, for citing this as an example, but New Jack City, 1990. Uh-huh. A Nino Brown quote. What's the difference between what we do on the street and what they do and what they do in the office? It's the exactly. same thing. Exactly. The same thing. I, I always, I always, it always used to, I always used to uh, laugh when you would hear about, you know, blue collar crime and white collar crime. Right. It's still fucking crime. I mean, excuse my French, but right. it's still crime. You know, right. see, again, you always, you always have to qualify stuff. You always have to, mm-hmm. in a, in a, in your, you always have to, you know, you know. Put it in and put it in a in in their eyes, it's it's proper context. Yeah, but right. it depends, also depends also depends on who's asking the damn question too. All right. So I mean, look 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 at movies. The Mule. It wasn't an old black man driving a pickup truck from Mexico up to Illinois. It was a white man. Mm-hmm. American made. It wasn't a black pilot going down there flying at 200 feet and below, smuggling drugs from Pablo Escobar and those groups. It was a white man. Uh-huh. So, the ultimate answer to your question, no, we would not have been. Because I think we'd be in more-ish than we are in now. Because uh-huh. they would have come after us. And well, Cynthia in California, Cynthia in California, uh, just so uh, Cynthia, uh, to to your point, um, Orlando and, and Tony, Cynthia in California said it's almost like babies having babies. If you don't know, you don't know. And she's saying right. that if we're not, but she's saying, though, if we're not educated enough to understand where we come from, then we fall for it. And then she said, again, going back to babies having babies. So I'm wondering, and I hope she emails Cynthia if you can, hit us back, if she's saying that if we don't understand um, the uh, a point of, of reference of where we were, then we have to deal with what we're dealing with. In well, other that, words, um, yeah. but good, but good. But to, be, but to be fair, but to be fair, that would be under any context. Whether we're talking right. slavery, whether we're talking um, um, pre-slavery, whether we're talking the you know uh, Harlem Renaissance, whether we're talking World War Two, whether because see, here's the thing: just that whole concept of the quote-unquote babies having babies. White people, more white people have more babies. On, uh, they're more uh, white women. That has babies out of wedlock. All day, every day. But All day, every day. Because see, because see, because see again. I'm no math major, but when you're the majority of the population, you are going to be the majority of everything. Now, I'm not trying to excuse the um, the babies having babies within the black community, but it seems and see herein lies one of the things that that are that that when you have uh, quote unquote dominant society it depends on who's telling the story because they will make it out like and, and there are a lot of black folks that buy into it as well and I'm not trying to put Cynthia in a box 
But there are a lot of people that just will buy into the whole thing of, oh, we're the only ones that's just having babies having babies. Now, again, I'm not trying to justify it. But, see, it depends on who's telling the story. You know, one of our, right. one of our, one of our colleagues, our uh, colleagues here, one of the things he always preaches, us, you know, we have to tell our own stories. That, and see, tell the story. That was true in the 1800s. That was true in the 1900s, and it's damn sure true in the 2000s. But see, and here's the and see, this is the thing about integration or what have you. When even during the midst of before integration, and even in the early parts of integration, we were still telling our own stories. That's why I always use the jet reference, the ebony reference, and and all that. Um, but see, here's the thing. And, and and I hate to use a sports analogy, but I think it speaks. I think it speaks loud. When Jackie and Larry um, integrated Major League Baseball, it proved to be the death knell for the Negro Leagues because right. everybody that. everybody either became a Brooklyn Dodger fan or they became a Cleveland Indian fan. And then as players were being added on, there were less Newark Eagles fans. There were less Kansas City Monarch fans. And you have to remember that the impact that Negro League Baseball had on the black community as a whole, not just in those areas where the game was at, Negro League Baseball was a billion-dollar business. And we literally, because of integration, threw those dollars away. And well, we can't, and, and, and so here, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out, hear me out. Okay, because I, I got another email. Go ahead. I know, you see, here's the thing. We can't blame that on white folks. That's us. That's us that well, turned it back he, on the Negro Leagues. Right, and so uh, uh, to your point, Tony and Orlando on the line, uh, Marcus said that we we were our own demise. And he talked about the Negro Leagues that, that – there was a compromise. I don't know, uh, though, T, you, the researcher, that the compromise was something that was one-sided in terms of uh, 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 the, the league owner, uh, the female well, league owner that wanted to give the, the wanted to give away the players on one side. It was just, oh no, it it, it, it was what it was. But he mm-hmm. he's trying to he's alluding to it like it. it the Negro Leagues was a compromise. I don't know if that's true, though. That that, that I, it depends on it depends on what you're talking about in regards to compromise. Because see, here's the great thing that people don't give them. And see, this is one of the reasons why I've always loved and still love the entrepreneurship and the whole leadership of the Negro League. Here's the thing, <clears throat> uh, Ruth Foster. Their, their their slogan for the Negro Leagues was, others are the land, we are the sea. Which basically right. is saying, everybody else, you know, you may, you, you know, everybody, everybody wants, you know, everybody wants to, you know, everybody wants to be the man until it's time to be the man, so to speak. The great sure. entrepreneurial thing about the Negro League was, okay, you don't want us to be a part of your league? No problem. We will make our own, and we will be better than that. 
if not, mm-hmm. you know, we, at, the, at the very least, we're going to be equal. And in many right. instances, it's going to be better. Now, that's, now see, that's the tragedy of integration because we got away from wanting to strive to still be better. That whole, the white man's water is colder, um, the, 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 you know, everything else is better because it's white. You know, we've been culturally conditioned to think that anything and everything we do is inferior strictly because we're black. And that's, right. and see, that's, that's, that's the fallacy, and that's the thing that integration took away. It's because we sort of got away from our, our, our entrepreneurial spirit in a lot of things. I use the Negro Leagues as a perfect example because that's a good reference point for me because I'm a sports person. But if you look at a lot of those entities that we dominated, you know, music, um, right, right, media, what have you, we got away from that. You know, now, 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 I don't think John Johnson gets enough credit for being the pioneer that he is. And Johnson, as far as I'm concerned, John Johnson is one of the most five important black people, persons of all time. <laughs> right, right. He's in and the mix. And, 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 and I, have, I have no problem saying this. When, I, when, when, I, when, um, when Ebony and Jet went um, by the wayside, I cried. I cried like a yeah. death in the family. There's a lot of people. Because, it, because, yeah, exactly. because of what it meant to us as black folks. We all, right. I, there wasn't a day in my life that there wasn't an, an ebony, a jet, or, or what have you. Now, there's a great uh, film called uh, The Black Press, uh, uh, Soldiers Without Guns. I, I always make it a point to watch that movie every year as a reminder as to why I still do what I do. And I, and I, and I would make it for any black person that's trying to get into the media to watch it and let you know who, you know, who opened the doors, who led it so that you could be here. You know, without John, you know, look, I say all that to basically say without John Johnson, none of us here on the line uh, would have the forum that we have now. Yeah. Just just like, and, and and there's so many yeah. other nameless, faceless folks in all the industries, whether it be music, whether it be uh, politics, whether it be entertainment or what have you. And that's the thing that, unfortunately, integration sort of robbed is that we got away from that doing our thing and and have it mean something. Orlando, I mean, you know, final question to you, um, and and you know, you take the time you need. And I think, I think Tony pointed it out in the way that it needed to be, as it, re, it relates to baseball and, and and segregation and understanding wh- where we are, not necessarily who we are. But understanding where we are and understanding under this administration 
and understanding that we believe nothing's going to happen to the former guy because they're going to stand down and nothing's going to happen. Um, with that being said, it, it, it just is there a comfortability, if you will, um, as as a black man with with kids my age, right, raising them, doing what you need to do in Philly, and 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 all of that, but still understanding that yeah, we we ain't living in segregation in a literal sense, but we really are, right? We really are. And, and and how do we bypass that with with our kids, man? Because that's the shit that's going on right now. That's the shit that's going on. Our kids is dealing with some that that stuff. And I hope I'm, if your kids is there, I do apologize for that language. That that stuff is going on. And so how do you how do you focus on all of this? All right, so. Ultimately, you have the responsibility, I have the responsibility, and everyone else that has the responsibility that has kids to live. So we can't dwell on things that we don't have any control of. We can't dwell on these sellout athletes, the things we see on TV, uh, the things you hear on the radio, because we have to live. Because children pick up not our good habits. They pick up on our worst habits, our our really bad habits. Mm-hmm. So we well, explain real real quick. Explain to live because we, you know, Uncle Tom's explain what living means in in this society. Living means to to wake yourself up. Uh, um, and not that you have control of that, but to ensure that you are in the best type of mental health uh, as well as physical health as far as that's black people. So, and that goes from what we eat, what we consume as far as reading, what we consume as far as music, uh, giving ourselves private time, um, where you have moments until yourself, uh, um, and, and letting the kids know that you're going to have dark days, you're going to have dark moments. We, you know, all three of us have said we had bad years, years, plural. But your kids are still young. My kids are still young. So for them to have a bad month, a bad two months, I laugh at my son like you just can't keep yourself off the radar right now. What you need to do is just fall back. It's okay. I'm having a debate with my wife right now. To be honest, I could care less about my son's grades this year. They, they've, been, they've been virtually learning since last March. That's last true. March. That's, he's tired That's true. of being in the house. He's tired of being in yeah. the house. You know, he, he don't want to sit there and do that. So, you know, they want to play the video game. I could care less, dude. I can care less. Now, if they were in school, that's something different. But no, I'm not dwelling over that because when it's all said and done, everyone's going to get a pass. Now, will be the passes that the young black kids get be the same passes as white folks? Hell no. We know that. So don't even kid ourselves. Don't even care ourselves. 
But what, what, what this past year's been, and it's still continuing, has been a time for us all to reflect upon things that are important to us. Because everybody, you know, has some shit that they're doing in their routine that they can kind of cut it out. They can cut it out. But to live means exactly that. You got to live for your boy. Because if, 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 if L.A. Bachelor's not here, all right, that's damnation for the Bachelor boys. All your sacrificing and the things you've done to make sure that those boys are okay to this point, if you die tomorrow because you're stressing out about what the Steelers are doing or the Yankees are doing or, or Kamala Harris or Joe Biden or, or, or Donald, Donald Dumbass, I don't know. Your boys are more important than all that garbage. And, and I'll take it to a point with this. That, that Bernie Sanders meme that's going all around social media and all of that, that's a perfect attitude. Sit back and chill. Sit back and chill. Sit back and chill. Watch everybody. And I mean watch everybody. Uh, See who's mm-hmm. moving. See who's moving. See who's moving. See who's wow. dressing that way. Michelle came in looking dynamite with that outfit. Sure. But why were you dressed that way? What are you trying to see dressing that way? And I'm not knocking her. I'm not knocking her. But what were you trying to prove? Bernie can care less. He's a white man, but he can care less. In the sense of, I'm coming like I am. I'm coming like I am. Mm. Talk to somebody that doesn't look like you. That doesn't, that doesn't view things as, 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 as you do. You come, you talk to enough people. You come to find out that some of those other people on the other side of the fence, they got the same problems that you have. Mm-hmm. The same mm-hmm. problem that you have. I talked to a dude today that's from Louisiana, and he was like, "Hell, they they said you know Katrina impacted the black people in New Orleans, but Katrina impacted everybody in Southeast Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Everybody." And he said some stuff out of his mouth that I can tell like the Bible. But I'm like, who am I to argue with him? That's what he believes. Let him believe it. Let him believe it. Let him believe it. He's trying to do exactly what I'm trying to do. Make sure that my wife and my kids and, and, and the folks around me are okay. And that's that's that that's what it's all about. We can't be worried about that. You know, if the ladies want to wear pearls and tucks to celebrate Kamala, you know what? That's your vibe out. Vibe out. Vibe out. But but as an HBCU alum from a couple of schools, uh, uh, and I believe the you said the, the gentleman, and I forgot your name, brother, so forgive me, that we done it, did it to ourselves as an HBCU alum, White folks say tear up HBCUs. Excuse me, LA, for saying this. The niggas did. Sure, white folks—they don't even know what. <laughs> I think it's sad. I think it's more sad, guys. That most people don't—not uh, most, but some black people don't know what the HBCU is anyway. Like they don't know yeah, what it stands right. for. What it is. Yeah. Right. And to my sister, you know the education. When I say I'm not calling the uneducated niggas. I'm talking about the educated niggas. 
Yeah. Yeah, you played it. I had a booth with a. I turned out an alumni meeting on Saturday because I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing nothing else. I'm not doing nothing else. Nothing else. I've done when I had money, when I didn't have money, when I had money again. I do everything for Norfolk State as well as other HBCUs. My, my whole premise of starting my business is built on being the voice of the next generation of HBCU sports. And that was a vehicle to attract the attention and to draw the young bachelor boys, you know what I'm saying, to, to draw to draw kids, your nieces and your nephews, to draw my kids, my cousins, to HBCU. That, that was my opinion. And that, right? and that, I don't get me... any opposition from white folks. I get opposition from the niggas, the educated niggas. All day, every day. Um, mm-hmm. you, I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised you get that. Let um, me ask, um, I, I, I guess the final question is that, again, uh, Howard, thank God, right, like was at the forefront of this vice president and celebrating and, and, and things of that nature. Tony, when you look at moving forward, not necessarily – the sport is it, it, the sports if you know in itself, but the fact that it's moving forward with the sort of if you will a little limelight of Howard and the, that kind of thing. Um, how much of in this climate do you think that uh, HBCUs will play um, the economics they've been pushing? We'll see, like under this administration. Um, in terms of monies and things, but how much of the you think will play into the narrative of sports, you know, specifically in terms of what's going on? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it will, will, will play a, a, a part. Now, to be fair, immediately it's probably not because of COVID. You know, everything – you know, everybody was in, you know, everybody wanted COVID, you know, 2121 to get here. I mean, 2021 to get here, and it's here. But unfortunately, the only change is the calendar. We're still dealing, you know, we're still dealing with, um, um, you know, we're still dealing with a lot of people that, that um, with deaths. We're still dealing with folks that have, that, have, that have caught the disease or are in the process of getting the disease and what have you. Um you know, we see the struggles that the schools have already that the, the schools as a whole have already had. And I guess what was it? There was it was the Texas Southern women had to shut it down again. Uh, I think earlier this week, and, and a couple so. of others. So yeah, it's it's we're you know everything is still everything because of COVID, and until. Uh, COVID either goes away or um, makes it, you know, you know, is is somewhat controlled. We're still gonna have to deal with it. Now, I guess I, from what I've heard, I guess um, uh, Ms. Biden, you know, she has, you know, she's made a, a commitment to schools 
and she has talked about, you know, doing things for HBCUs, and apparently this is something she's been doing for quite a while. So in that vein, I think, think, you know, if, if she is a woman of her word and she has a history, so... That should bode that should bode very very well, and look, we're always going to be a little biased because we're sports yep. folks. But here's the thing, I'm I'm yeah, I'm looking forward to when the football starts. I I hope that uh, I I hope things really work out. I'm I'm very anxious to see what what happens with uh, Jackson State. But I'm also looking at it as a whole. The Jackson State story is is going to be interesting because of the you know because of the the, the hype that has come out of it. Um, I think better days are coming. I hope I'm, I'm hoping better days are coming for these schools because anything anything that anything positive that can happen within those walls. Are there? Um, I, I think um, that it's good that the attention is there, but I'm also leery because this is also that time of the year where they'll focus on stuff because it's Black History Month, and then once Black History Month is over, it's it's status quo again. I I thought it was a respect factor that went into the whole Howard thing. And we don't have to agree with it, but um, that's the the part that I needed or want to need to happen when it comes to respect part of, you know, the Howard thing. And and we don't need to be known to be shaking our ass. How about we known for something else like A&T is known for nursing or engineering. So not, you know, you go into, you know, be shaking your butt to get whatever. And so that, that part of it with, with um, the vice president, again, I'm, I know people get upset or whatever, but I mean, that part of it with Howard is like, they produce someone who is the vice president of the United States, not they produce somebody that's going to shake their ass. And that was what I was kind of getting to, um, Orlando, if you understand. Listen, HBCUs produce over 75% of all black educators in the country. Over 50% of all black doctors graduated from HBCUs, all right, currently and historically. So HBCUs do great things. What's wrong, though, is the HBCUs do not advertise, and this is free in the 21st century. They do not advertise their alumni, all right? Much love for Langston Hughes. Much love for all these people. Much love for MLK. But tell me the people that you're producing now that are doing real-life things while still celebrating and acknowledging the great ancestors that went to these institutions. That's where HBCUs are failing. Deion Sanders is bringing in hype from his NFL, but he's not an HBCU person. So 
So why can he, as a non-HBCU person, bring all of this love to the universities when the universities have the ability to do it? If you took HBCU alum off of Twitter, off of Instagram, off of Facebook, I guarantee you it will probably fall by 60% within the black community. That's pretty that's pretty yes, deep. <laughs> it would fall short. And and, and and contrary to popular belief, there was a, a, a social network that was made by HBCU alums specifically to universities. So if you're at Jackson State, it was uh, I forget what it was a tiger page or something, I don't know. We we had a Spartan page, Hampton had a pirate page, uh, uh Howard had a bison page made specifically by black folks. You know what happened? Facebook happened. Facebook did away <laughs> with it. And we didn't support it. But that's how we were able to reconnect with one another. Because, you know, uh, everybody listening to this show know we didn't go to school in the era of cell phones. <laughs> they were, hell, there they were barely any computers. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like like, so... You know, we have the like opportunity, we got as Fred you know always I mean? says, is to tell our yeah. story, L.A. We have to tell our story. We don't need okay. anyone else how teach us how to do it. We have the ability, once we step up and take advantage of this opportunity of having a vice president who, you know, who's a, a HBCU alum, and, and someone released a picture of her, when she was an undergrad, which did more, more than anything to see her with some earrings, some 80s earrings in her ear, I thought it was beautiful. Okay, now we can really see her, not the professional her. We can see her as a student. It, it, it puts it in perspective. It puts it in perspective for kids. So, uh, great opportunity. Um, hopefully... Like Tony said, this is just not because we're coming up on the month of February, uh, and it'll be gone by March or April, but it's a great opportunity. So seize the moment, black people. They're not going to give us the whole stage to come out and do our thing. They're going to give us a little bit of light with one broken well, ass chair and say, some like, broken props for us to get out here and dance. Yeah. Kumbaya. That's right. So, Kumbaya. That's all, brother. That's all. You got mm-hmm. me going, LA already. <laughs> Lando, I appreciate you, brother. Man, you you uh-huh. be well. We'll talk some more uh, le- next week, sir. Thank you so much. All right. All right. Take all care. All right. All right. If you miss any part of the broadcast, go to our website, the Bastion News Radio Network dot com. Bastion News Radio Network. Network.com. Enjoy your time. The Bachelor, like a single, The Bachelor with a T, newsroom.org.